Hey all, Double G here from Fight Game Media. I just wanted to talk about some of the bonus content we've been dropping on our Patreon, aka Fight Game Media Network Plus. John LaRocca and I dropped our 1998 Royal Rumble Watch Along, which is a compliment to our 1998 Raw Review Series as we cover the year in which Stone Cold Steve Austin becomes the biggest star in wrestling. Just last week, Carlos Toro and Robert Silva for our boxing podcast, Pound for Pound, put out their monthly bonus show on the biggest upsets in boxing, heading all the way back to 1986 when Donald Curry lost to Lloyd Hunnigan. Carlos wasn't even born yet, so he was watching the fight for the first time, and Robert is recounting facts from that fight like it just happened yesterday. Also, don't forget to check out myself and Chris DePetrillo and our Karate Kid podcast, which is exclusive to the Patreon, as we cover Cobra Kai Season 4. Terry Silver is back, y'all, and he's looking for revenge on one Danny Boy LaRusso. Check out the Patreon at patreon.com front slash fight game media. It is just five bucks. Give us a shot. Your Starbucks order probably costs more than that. Now, on to the show. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Keela Cash and I'm back here this week. Happy Monday to you all, but I'm not alone as we count down all things WWE from Raw, SmackDown and NXT 2.0. And by my side, per the usual, every single week, my right hand man, my co-captain and the advocate of Von Wagner. I present to you Scott Young once again. Welcome back, Scott. I, I, I hear I hear you laughing, CJ. Don't be laughing. I take this job very serious. Okay, I, I I do this every week. This is what I do. I'm I'm here to support Big Daddy V and Keela. I won't leave you hanging like I did last week at the end of the show. I'm right on cue. I'm ready to go. Um, this is gonna be a fun show. I'm, I'm very excited and low key. This might be one of my favorite shows to date, and it hasn't even started yet. <laughs> Oh, we'll get to low-key things very soon as we hop aboard the Australia train. It's very weird when we do this show because we are basically in two separate time periods. It is still nighttime for us, but it's bright and early for CJ Tappen all the way from Australia. Welcome back to the show, CJ. Thank you for having me. I am in the future for you. And if I had the job of being Von Wagner's advocate, I'd take it seriously as well, because it must be very hard to advocate for Von Wagner. But <laughs> It is very hard. So you're right about that. It does take a lot of time. And speaking of advocates for Von Wagner, now I thought I was going to give this man a pass this week to free him from our words or criticisms but for some reason nxt 2.0 decided to get under my skin in the worst possible way by giving me false hope so let's go back before we even get into the main scoop of this week let's go back to nxt 2.0 this past tuesday 
Vic Joseph sat in a chair and he told me that Von Wagner was suspended indefinitely for attacking the students from Andre Chase University. And I thought to myself, is this the week they realized that Von Wagner needs more work? He needs more refinement. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Take him off television for a while. And then an hour and a half later, Vic Joseph reports back to me before the end of the show that Von Wagner's suspension has been lifted and the fine has been paid. And I look to Scott and say, how could you? How could you do this to us? How could you get on the phone and say, let me advocate for my client, Von Wagner? He did nothing wrong. And now we're stuck with him being back on our TV. Scott, how could you do this to us? to the family? How could you do this to fight game, to bring this man back into our lives? How could you? So a couple things. First off, um, you know, it, it wasn't that expensive to get him back because, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really that hard of a fight. They were like, yeah, you know. And secondly, I think, I think WWE did more to get him over then uh, he's done himself by just not being on TV. I think he got himself more over by not being there and not showing his face. But his name sounds cool, right? Von Wagner. Von Wagner. You think he's like some cool French guy or something. But uh, so as long as you don't show his face, I think he's got a shot. That is a poor excuse you just gave me as to why <laughs> you advocated for this man's reinstatement. But I thought for five glorious minutes, they realized that he's not ready for TV, but then they disappointed me. So Vaughn, this is your shade of the week. And now we can leave you alone because now we get more to serious business. Get down to more serious information regarding this week's Monday Night Raw going down live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Wells Fargo Center. And we kick things off with... The fashionable Brock Lesnar and the always on point Bobby Lashley having a great back and forth on the mic as Bobby has called out Brock for dodging him for well over 20 years and Brock pulling Mariah Carey saying, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. I never met you until day one in Atlanta last Saturday. And when I won the championship, I've conquered cages in this ring for well over 20 plus years and I don't know who you are. It's not my fault, but. Guys, you look great tonight. What is a threat count in your suits? I'm very impressed by this attire. Brock Lesnar saying the word threat count in 2022 really popped me because I had no idea that Brock had an eye for fashion. And this leads to a great knock-knock joke courtesy of Brock Lesnar providing more surprises, saying knock-knock and Paul saying, who's there? And then Brock says, Bobby. And then Paul says, Bobby who? And then Brock kills him with exactly. And the fans pop and Bobby laughs and says, that's not really funny. And I love Brock just saying, you're a Brock Lesnar wannabe. You can't beat me. You're not on my level. Drops the mic like a boss. Leaves. And then we finally get the dissolution of the Hurt Business once and for all. We have Cedric and Shelter coming out there beating down Bobby. Bobby fights back and I'm, I'm at least happy that the fight business is now over and done with or I shall say the Hurt Business is now over and done with because you had that sorry lame ass reunion a few months ago on Monday Night Raw. It really didn't go anywhere. It was a half-assed attempt to bring the crew back together and now we can bury it with Bobby probably beating them into, in and in probably a handicap match this upcoming Monday on Raw. So Scott, after we kind of praised the build up to this match between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, 
at the Warrior Rumble for the WWE Championship to see Brock Lesnar busting out jokes and laughing, saying, I am funny and I'm money. Like from the dome, Brock Lesnar has been great this entire run thus far. I don't know how many zeros Vince gave him to come back last year. I'm expecting maybe high sevens and eights because this dude has been amazing. The winter, to, the winter couture of Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley was on point this Monday. But what are your thoughts on Brock's comedy antics to Bobby Lashley? So it's, I think, I thought the promo was great. I thought he was fantastic. He, I mean, I think back to him cutting promos before they brought Paul Heyman in when he first came back and it was not good, but this Brock is comfortable. He's just natural. He's like you said, he's just coming off the cuff, off the dome piece, um, and he's just coming up with lines. This dude did a knock-knock joke and even took Paul Heyman back like, we're in Philadelphia, you're doing a knock-knock joke, what is going on? And I think the promo was great. The only issue is when you do promos like this, the baby face has to go over or, you know, or the person you're talking about, you're talking down to would need to go over. Um, and usually it's the baby face you would be talking down to like this is what a heel would do to a baby face so the way they're portraying is like Bobby Lashley's this baby face Bobby Lashley would need to go over to have this make any sense because it could just be told as Brock Lesnar's taking him lightly and Bobby Lashley's not one to be taken lightly the issue comes in they're not going to do that like we know they're not going to do that I mean I predicted that Bobby Lashley would win the title and I still don't think they're going to do it I'm just hoping that they do because they should the way this feud is going Bobby Lashley should win the title and really get under Brock's skin like there would be nothing more than for the you know quote unquote Brock wannabe to beat Brock and, and take the title from him that would be no greater thing to get him angry to infuriate the beast and to do that. And I think that's where Roman Reigns comes in. I still think Bobby Lashley beats Brock because that's the only reason I can think you let him talk to him like that. And Bobby Lashley not punch this man in the face. Yeah. Especially the way he dominated him. You know, that's what I'm surprised at. Like he should have just clocked this dude in the face. But yeah, that's what I think Bobby Lashley has to go over the way they're setting this feud up. And if he doesn't, I do think there's going to be serious damage done to Bobby Lashley. Yeah, he's got two weeks to respond because Monday for him not to say anything like that was a little surprising, but they got two weeks. Unfortunately, nobody's going to watch Raw on Monday due to a major seismic football game. The wild card going down ESPN, ABC and a whole host of ESPN channels. So they got really one more week after that to really sell Bobby as being a viable threat to Brock Lesnar. And all he had to say was I had you on your ass at several points during our match of day one for the championship and you couldn't counter me one single time that would have been the argument to make if I'm a Brock Lesnar wannabe then why did I have you countered every single time spear for spear got you in the hurt lock got you in the hurt lock at one point as well to tap you out Biggie made the save for you otherwise you was down for the count so hopefully they touch on that preferably on Monday Night Raw even though it would be a very small audience but still you got to get over Bobby as being a guy that can really be the one to take out Brock ahead of WrestleMania but we shall see so CJ what are your thoughts on this brand new Brock Lesnar that is funny, that is charismatic, that is really fashion for these days. He's not only care he 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 cares about fashion this time. He's not only hawking the t-shirts, he's rocking overalls, he's got the winter coat on. He is really showing off the money Vince gave him at SummerSlam. Yeah, when I saw Brock come out in the overalls, I was like, okay, we need to see Brock versus Will Hobbs in an overalls match. But <laughs> yeah, like Brock's actually, 
he's really fun. Like he's actually really funny. Like he's got this reputation for hating people and being antisocial because he lives in Saskatchewan and which is very isolated. But like there's this great video on YouTube of Brock as an ESPN security guard. I don't know if y'all have seen that, but that's like just great stuff. And he's kind of bringing that to WWE, but like he's awesome in this role. And like, you know, he's more kind of human when he dresses, you know, how we're dressed like a normal person. And he dresses well at that. Um, you know, he just, he really comes off like this guy that, you know, if you go out drinking with him, you're like 95% sure everything will be fine and you'll end up home. But there's that 5% chance that you, you know, will end up somewhere unfamiliar. Like he's just got that kind of wild guy vibe and that's, he's incredibly likable. Like he's, he's a baby face to me in this, like, you know, like, are we sure Lashley is the baby face here um, in this feud? And like Scott, you said that Lashley's going to win. I'm pretty confident that um, otherwise as well, but it's, yeah, it's just weird because both these guys have been known for being heels and um, now Brock's like the best guy in the world and Lashley's more serious, but he's also kind of the underdog here. So it's kind of confusing, but it's, it's still fun at the very least. Well, you know, CJ, like to your to your point, like <clears throat> about that, I, I don't think Lashley's the heel, but the way this is kind of setting up, the way Bo- like Brock is talking to him, that's kind of like, or at least from what I normally see, that's kind of what you would do as a heel to a underdog babyface. And Lashley still is mm. kind of the underdog and the underdog would overcome the odds and, and, you know, beat the big bad villain in the end. And I just... And you're right, though. Bob Brock is the babyface in this. There's no question about that. The way he plays to the crowd and he's joking with the crowd and stuff. So there's no question about it. But it just seems like the way they're playing it, Lashley should be the babyface. And or maybe that's just maybe that's just how it's um, it's coming off to me. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was watching. I was like, man, they really like Lashley needs to kind of get some stuff in here because Brock just looks almost a class above, you know, as far as like, who's, who do I root for? Like, who's got the advantage? Who's got the edge? Who do I think will win? Like, I, it kind of feels like a sure thing to me, but I don't know. Like, I think it's just their janky way of laying that out. And they kind of didn't realize, oh, Lashley comes off lesser here. And like you said, Kilo, like they needed to, you know, uh, Lashley had Lesnar on the ropes at day one. And they didn't really talk about that enough in that promo, but yeah, it's just it's just WWE, I guess, but it was still entertaining. Brock's hilarious, and I want to go to his farm. <laughs> Do you want to go moose hunting, CJ, with Brock Lesnar? Um, if he pressured me into it, I'd probably do it. But Sammy would agree with you. He was forced almost to go moose hunting with Brock Lesnar, and I still want that on videotape at some point very soon. But the Bobby Lashley I want to see is the guy that tossed a sofa the last day WWE was in the Thunderdome last summer when he cut that promo on MVP. It's time to be back to being me, being serious. Let's get back to business, the hurt business. That Bobby needs to be present against Brock Lesnar because for whatever reason, and I love it, Brock is not only imposing in terms of his size and reputation, but the guy's charismatic as hell, and you have to match that somehow 
on the mic. Maybe MVP can complement that some way, but it's unexpected that Brock is bringing this much star power and charisma to this role heading into the new year. And that was even before he got the championship. Just Brock is on a different level, and I love it. So in the case of Bobby, who's dominant and strong and powerful, he's got to at least elevate the mic work just a touch to even kind of get a little bit of heat off of Brock at the exact same time. Because last week in a different city, he was cheered. He was liked very much, not so much in Philly, but I hope things balance out ahead of the Warrior Rumble, which could be a very split crowd in St. Louis. Yeah, I I was just going to say, like, I thought if it was positioned with Lashley as a heel, the Hurt business actually could have been like a good piece of this feud as kind of like, you know, because I think everyone thinks Lesnar beating Lashley is like a sure thing. But if you've got those Hurt business guys and they're credible, then maybe it's like a different story. And if the ref, you have the ref bump, then, you know, they could come in. But yeah, that's that's just one more thing I wanted to add that maybe they shouldn't have been ditched. See, that's another reason why it's it feels backwards. Like that feel, that's something that like a baby, they, he, they jumped him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. that's what you do to a baby face. You would jump the baby face who was like, I'm, yeah, I'm ready right. to move on. Like the whole thing just feels backwards. And because everything you're saying is right, CJ. It just like, like everything you're saying about like if he was a heel and, and just being a heel. And we had to think like the weeks before they were almost kind of turning him baby face anyway when he ran the gauntlet and then he teamed with yeah. Big E. Like I. It just the last few weeks for Lashley's character have just been kind of confusing when they've done a really good job with him overall since losing the title. So I I really hope that because Keela's right, you got two weeks and next week is going to be kind of a wash. So really, you got one week to really get this guy back on track and get him back to being that monster unless you're going to put him over and let him beat Brock. And it's got to yeah. be in a big way. That's the only thing. And we love this build up. Don't get us wrong. But the roles are kind of reversed right now. And I kind of blame this half ass reunion of the Hurt Business because it was great for a night. And then they never followed up on it. They wear the T-shirts and then they're never acknowledged as being a part of the group. And it's disappointing because they were a great they were a great faction together. And then when you tease us and don't go through with the actual reunion, it makes everything a waste of time. And it makes everything so confusing because Bobby's the one getting beat down not Brock Lesnar at least you would at least have those roles defined if you got the Hurt Business back together defending Bobby against Brock and Brock is the babyface overcoming the odds just like maybe Seth on Smackdown which we'll get to shortly as he faces the bloodline mm-hmm. ahead of ahead of the Royal Rumble as well so all of this in terms of storyline stuff is a bit murky but hopefully it gets better in the next couple of weeks really the go home show a week from Monday because as I mentioned it is going to be rough next this upcoming Monday for Raw And now it is time to discuss a very unusual title switch this past Monday regarding the Raw Tag Team titles. Now, the Philly crowd was pretty into the show. Opening segment, great. They love RK Bro. They love Riddle. They love Orton. And we have the Alpha Academy, who've been pushed a bit on Monday Night Raw as of late, but they've been eating losses to RK Bro via singles matches. And because you lose, I guess you're owed a shot at the tag team titles a week later. And here we are. And out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, Otis 
Bendis delivers the World's Strongest Slam to Randy Orton, not Riddle. Let me repeat this. Future Hall of Famer Randy Orton is pinned by Otis. That is a big endorsement by the Viper to be pinned by Otis as the Afro Academy become the new Raw Tag Team Champions. And at this point, I think the show died in terms of crowd reactions for the rest of the show. They couldn't believe it. And don't get me wrong, I'm very happy for Otis and Chad Gable. But at the exact same time, you were losing all of your matches to this very tag team a couple of weeks ago. You get a tag team title shot, you win. Congrats, but my goodness, what a shocking title switch. RK Bro was really at his peak. Orton getting cheered in every city, being the most over for his hot tags. And now I have to set the clock, hit the doomsday clock, because I know between now and WrestleMania, Orton is going to turn on Riddle. This tag team will dissolve. They are feud at WrestleMania. It'll be great, but maybe this switch happened a little bit too soon. Maybe it could have been at the Rumble or maybe the show in Saudi Arabia next month, CJ. What are your thoughts on this very surprising title switch on Monday Night Raw involving RK Bro and the Afro Academy? Yeah, I was surprised that they did it because I, you know, I kind of didn't think they were taking the Afro Academy that seriously. Um, you know, and honestly, part of me, when I watch the Afro Academy, um, this is a little side note, like I, you know, I'm watching Gable in there. Who's just been the most under pushed guy for years now. And I'm thinking, Hmm, edge Christian Danielson, now Corey Graves, like how long, like, is it feasible that Jason Jordan gets cleared and Jason Jordan's back in there with him one day? That's all I think about because like Otis is like a, they're making this thing, they're making it work, but it is like, you know, it's just not the best use really of either guy. Like they feel very much just spliced together. And I know they train together outside of, um, outside of the ring and all that, but it's just, I don't know, maybe I'll get used to this team and, you know, having the belts on them will be good for that. But it's just a weird kind of match to me. I think it's cool that they changed the titles and it, it was a good surprise, but you're right. It did kill the crowd. And, um, I kind of think it's going to lead to a split between Arcade Bro because that's kind of the reason they put people together in the first place. But WrestleMania kind of feels a bit too soon to do it. Um, but yeah, it's just another bummer. It's like Chad Gable, just perennial tag team guy because he's won, them, won titles with Otis, Bobby Roode, Jason Jordan. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with it, but in WWE, you're just always, you're never going to be. Uh, in the main event with the tag team title. So, yeah, it was, and I guess I like it, but it's just, I, I'm just thinking about Chad Gable here is all. I'm a big Chad Gable fan. I advocate for a Chad Gable push every year. And in my heart, I believe that Chad and Otis are miscast as heels in this role. They're meant to be babyfaces. Otis downplaying his charisma is infuriating mm. to me. Like, how can you... Have this guy downplay what makes him great, which is his personality, which is him having fun and being a babyface and being over. And the people loved him before the pandemic. And now he's scowling and he doesn't show any expressions on his face. He's very angry. It's very one note. And I know Otis has more than that. He's great in the ring. Chad is exceptional. And they could be a great babyface tag team if they let them. But unfortunately, they're they're heels and they're champs now. And I hope they have a nice reign. But it's all about booking your challenger strongly. And up until Monday, by winning the championships, they weren't booked strongly at all. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the surprising title switch on Monday Night Raw? Not happy my boy ate a loss. Um, 
you know, I, I don't think Orton should just be taking random losses to people. This is ridiculous. Riddle's right there. <laughs> he's he's right there. Like, Riddle loses all the time. He's right there. Why does Orton need to lose? Secondly, like, I think Orton hit the RKO on Otis like a week ago. And the week before, they had been building that he couldn't hit the RKO. So why not have Orton not hit the RKO and have that be the story? That he can't hit the RKO on Otis and keep that going and let that be the reason they won i mean that's a storyline thread that you could have kept and you give them an out as to they still have that though if you know if they can if they can avoid chad gable getting hit with the rko because he can't hit it on otis that's a story that they could have told if they already got rid of because orton already hit the rko on otis secondly the only thing i can think of with this is the royal rumble i believe is in st louis so Maybe they gave him the title so Orton and Riddle can win them back in Orton's hometown, which is something they possibly could do. But, you know, they like people to lose in their hometowns. So I wonder if Orton is going to take another loss in his hometown and then just completely snap on Riddle. The problem is the people in St. Louis are going to eat that up when he starts throwing the back the the back suplex on the table they're gonna say one more time when he hits him with an rko they're gonna say one more time when he grabs the chair and starts wailing on him they're gonna say one more time so unless you're gonna have orton win the title back in st louis this was the most pointless thing i think they ever could have done and it just pissed me off and i actually turned the show off and started watching basketball for a little bit because i was pissed off about Damn. this like there's just no reason for them to do this like you had a great thing going and it's everybody doesn't need to win the titles everybody doesn't need to win i, I do want to say cj i love the idea of jason jordan possibly making a comeback I, oh. I would love for that to happen. And I think he would fit in with Otis and Chad. I think the three of them could work as a group. Oh, yes. and, you know, You're and right. you could have Chad or they could do it like the New Day. You can have them kind of just rotating who teams with who because obviously you want to see Chad and Jason team back together. You know, obviously that's what you want to see, but I wouldn't mind seeing Jason and Otis together. I think they could do some damage too. Like, I I really like that idea as the three of them as Alpha Academy. Like, I I think that it could be a lot of fun, even if he doesn't wrestle. I think him as a character with them would still be a lot of fun. I love that idea. Yeah, I like. I remember in NXT, like uh, American Alpha, were these like jockey kind of goofy dudes outside of the ring and it worked really well because they had good chemistry and they they cut these like funny promos and stuff but when obviously when they're in the ring they just rip shit up mm-hmm. and if you have them otis he could kind of tap into being more charismatic and goofy and funny and he can just be like the wild card that will you know obliterate the opponents and he can be in, like in the singles title mix because if he's on his if he's in this group but he's being charismatic then he's a viable um is the u.s title on raw yes yes yeah he could be in that mix he could even be in the world title mix at some point like it's you know that that's a really good idea and now i'm just gonna be pissed off that it's not happening so thanks for that but um and you know what i think jason jordan could be the one to turn them back babyface like you know like jason jordan could be like hey you know what happened to you you know get back to who you were and all you need is and all it would take is one time for otis to be like Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all it would take is one of those. And he's back. You know what I mean? Or just yeah. have Chad Gable rub his belly. <laughs> you know, and then he would and, do th- and he would take care of the rest. And Chad can grow his hair back because I'm still pissed off they made him cut it. But, 
Yeah, that's oh, that sounds so good. That's appointment viewing. <laughs> Look at us coming with better ideas than Monday Night Raw when it comes to Alpha Academy. Who should be baby faces? I'm going to campaign for that until the end of time. They're miscast as heels. Chad Gable has too much charisma, and Otis is oodles of charisma and should not be a mean mugging person with no charisma, which simply does not make sense in my timeline or any timeline for that matter. And next up is a breakup we have been teasing and projecting on this show for the last couple of months. It finally happened. Somebody flipped and the tag team of Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley at long last somebody turned. But before it took place, we got a very saccharine after school special of them breaking up. And I hate these segments in the ring. You know, do we stay together? What do we do? I don't want to leave you. We got to move on. But I do love delusional Nikki Ash thinking she was the stronger half of the tag team trying to psych out Rhea Ripley. Like, you have nerve, audacity. I kind of respect the kookiness of it. I was taken aback thinking she was the strong link in this friendship and tag team. Maria was like, okay, this is getting a little bit uncomfortable. I think we should go our separate ways. I still believe in you, Nikki. They hug. And I will give Rhea credit for this. No matter the material, she's going to emote her ass off. She's going to produce tears. She's going to make you buy into what she is projecting in terms of emotion. And I do love that. And as she goes for a fist bump, Nikki shoves her. They fight a bit. And then Nikki becomes a supervillain saying, who needs friends when you're a superhero? And for that, I like the turn, but I did not like the buildup because it was so lame. But what are your thoughts, Scott, on finally somebody flipping in this tag team? But unfortunately, we're down to one fucking tag team now. Carmella and Queen Zelina will be tag team champs for at least WrestleMania until the Bellas win. My projection just saying the only Shoot. tag team with I'm just saying the only tag team with merit, the only hope we've got to give us a division of two. So uh, spoiler alert, you might've just revealed with uh, what you could miss <laughs> this week. So that's, that's probably going to come back up later in the show. Um, yeah. Th- this was a, a really bad segment. I agree with you. Rhea Ripley does the best she can. Actually, I think they both did the best they can, but just, this was like if, I don't know how long it was, but it felt like a full episode of a CW like show. Wow. Like it, it felt like the full length of a CW oh. show. So, and and the worst part is like the last thirty seconds where where you like where you said it, um, Keila, where Nikki was like, you know, I you know I was talking about me. I'm the strong. That was actually pretty good. The last little bit was actually pretty good, but the the first 45 minutes of the episode that they did with the monologues was not. And again, I think the wrong person turned. I, I think Rhea Ripley could be a monster heel. Um, we're going to get to why I guess she didn't because they're doing a good job with Dewdrop, but I just think Rhea Ripley should be a monster heel mowing through people and Bianca Belair should be the baby face that has to stop her. I don't, that, that should be the path these two should be on. And I, cause what are you going to do with Rhea now? You got her and Bianca on the same brand. What are you going to do with Rhea? So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited because now Rhea can be a single star like she should be. And hopefully they really just start building the brand around her like they did Becky when she was the man. That's what they need to do with Rhea Ripley right now because she's that she's got that 
type of ability, I think. You can build the entire company around. Like literally Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair, you can build this the future of this company on those two backs. I, I genuinely think that those two can carry the company, especially with, and, and you throw in a Roman Reigns and stuff, but I think those two women could definitely carry the company if you do it right. So I'm excited for that, but I just, I hope we don't have to go through like a month's worth of matches with Nikki and Rhea because I could I can see them letting Nikki pin Rhea for some reason and, and she doesn't need to lose mm. at all until she beats somebody for the title. Agreed. I want them to have one hell of a match though, preferably with Nikki Cross being back against Rhea Ripley. Let them two go at it for 20 minutes. Let them fight. Let them just have maybe a street fight of some sort to really go at it because I know they can bring in the physicality every single time. But Scott, I got to put you on the spot because you mentioned this was every CW show you've ever seen. Which CW show in particular? Is it Riverdale bad? Is it... Is it Riverdale bad? No, nah, I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly how bad it was. It's Batwoman bad. Oh, and I'm not talking about oh the white Batwoman. I'm talking about the black Batwoman bad. Like, it's that bad. Where, like, they're just making things up off the top of their head and just throwing <laughs> it on TV. It's that bad. Like, even Black Lightning was a better show than this. Even, even was. Even the last season of All American was better than this. Like everything the CW has put out, Jane the Virgin, all those, I'll take them all. <laughs> I'll take them all. The one hundred, give give me all of them. River Vale, isn't that what the last season? River Vale, yeah, yes, the five yep. part River Vale. Yeah, there we that go. That was better than this segment, honestly. All of it, all it, of it. it was. I'll, I'll take anything. It just I'll take I'll take a Von Wagner promo over this no 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 now see this is the moment it jumped the shark (laughs) now you could have stopped at 20 seasons of supernatural but you know that's all right that's all right we're good the first few seasons of supernatural are actually really good though yes yes the last surviving member of the wb my goodness we're old by the way to drop the wb reference on the show we really did hey smallville was on the cw and they came from the wb too we're really old now that's true That was a great origin story, by the way. Better than what we saw on Monday regarding Nikki Ash saying, I am the strongest link of this tag team, Nikki. Well, myself and not you, Rhea. So, CJ, what are your thoughts? Despite all of our Riverdale and CW talk regarding this segment, which definitely took a turn quick. But what are your thoughts on Nikki turning on Rhea Ripley, your sister from Australia? What's up with that? Yes, the queen of Australia. I I like that Nikki turned because I think you know, obviously Rhea has the potential and she could definitely be a monster heel. She has been a monster heel, but I think that Nikki turn and being the heel is a decent enough swerve and it's believable. And, you know, now that she's a heel, she can be with sanity again. Oh wait, they're all gone. But, um, yeah, like I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do as a heel. And, you know, the, the superhero thing, like it was cool when she won the title, but you just knew she wasn't long for it because of who she was in there with. Um, so I think it would make sense to drop it, but being a delusional superhero could also be pretty good. Um, and yeah, like Rhea, Scott, you're absolutely right about Rhea and, um, Bianca Belair. I think that this year's what a finish I would have liked to have seen for this year's rumble would be, um, uh, Rhea eliminating Bianca, like a reverse of last year. But I do think that, uh, Bianca's winning and I will probably be wagering some currency on that. But yeah, like I just, 
I just hope they don't do it to death. I hope we don't get these matches on Raw with, um, you know, DQ finishes and countouts and stuff like that because then it'll just lose all the heat. Like, not that it's like a white-hot feud, but you could build it up right if, um, you know, if done well, but then it's WWE, so will it be done well? Probably not. It's, I just, you know, Rhea, what Rhea's future is obviously, you know, world champion, WrestleMania main events and whatnot. And that's great for my country, but I just don't know what the future for Nikki is now. And you're right about the tag teams too. Like they have none. They shouldn't have made NXT tag titles for the women's division because the women's tag team division is so sparse. Like that could have been a great belt to float across the three brands. And if it was successful, then maybe they'd condense more belts and make them traveling champions. Cause that's fucking cool. Sorry for swearing. I don't know if we can swear on here, but, um, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts of it on this on this turn, but I'm I'm in, I'm intrigued for sure. Yeah, me too. And the Nikki Ash character was a nice idea in theory. I'm glad that WWE went with Nikki's idea, but they forgot the entire origin story of why she became a superhero. It happened one night on a Monday. And we were all confused as viewers. And then we got no backstory, nothing of note, not even a Hurricane or Mighty Molly cameo to really get Nikki on her superhero track. But now she's illusional. I can buy in that a bit. And she does crazy like nobody's business. So I expect this to be a good turn for her as for Rhea Ripley. She is a pillar like Bianca Belair. They can be the anchors of WWE for years to come if they finally push them in their proper context very, very soon. Heading into the Royal Bumble in a couple of weeks' time on Peacock. And speaking of Bianca Belair, it's now time to talk about the main event of Monday Night Raw, which was actually my favorite thing besides Brock Lesnar. I thought Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, and Bianca Belair brought it in that triple threat match to see who would face Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship at the Rumble. And I thought this was probably Liv's greatest performance I've ever seen in the ring. She was great launching off of Dewdrop and hitting Arana on Bianca Belair and Bianca selling the rings of Saturn like it's the most painful move on earth. I love the selling. Dewdrop was a powerhouse. I love Becky marking out for Bianca Belair's 450 on Dewdrop. She couldn't even hold the character. She was in awe of Bianca Belair, as you should, Becky Lynch. Bianca is amazing. And then she's so amazing that Becky cost Bianca the match again. And that allows Dewdrop to hit the drop on Liv Morgan to be the number one contender for Becky Lynch's Raw Women's Championship at the Rumble. A surprising outcome, but I'm happy for Dewdrop. You know, it's a fresh matchup, but here we are again because we think about the Philly crowd from this past Monday, pretty dead once RK Bro lost their titles to the Alpha Academy. And we see Bianca Belair, Liv Morgan, and Dewdrop in some shape, form, or fashion. They've lost to either each other or Becky Lynch in the last few months. And that waters down your credibility to face Becky at the Rumble for that very championship. And as we watch these ladies show out, we appreciate what they do. But if you buy a ticket and you sit there and you see the booking on display, it does make you feel a little bit lukewarm despite the hard work they provided in the ring. So now we're back to Dewdrop. This is probably her highest profile match to date, not in NXT UK. And this is a big moment for her. She's a great worker. I hate the name, but somehow she makes it work. Mm -hmm. Becky Lynch will give you what you need in order to get over in the best possible way. But she's a heel and she's more over as a face. And that's watering down contenders as well. It's a whole mess on the Raw women's side of things fighting over this championship ahead of the Rumble in WrestleMania. 
Hopefully WWE fix it because I don't want future challengers to be watered down because Becky Lynch is miscast as a heel because these matches should mean something. Wins and losses should matter, but not on this night as Dewdrop, who dropped three matches to Bianca Belair, is now our number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. So CJ, what are your thoughts on the chip threat and Dewdrop being the number one contender? Yeah, I really like the match. Liv Morgan is getting real good and she's only young, I'm pretty sure. So her future is very bright, I think. Um, Belair being taken out, it's clear what's happening there because she, again, is probably winning the Rumble. Um, Dewdrop is one of the worst names in the history of like entertainment and humans. Um I'm I'm looking forward to the match. Like it's a cool Scottish Irish thing, as well. Um, and yeah, like Dewdrop's good. And I kind of just forget that because her name is like the bane of my existence. But I'm looking forward to that match. And yeah, like I'm just you're right about Becky. Like she's a heel, but she's super over, and she's just really cool. And that's something that a lot of wrestlers in WWE aren't. It's just really cool. Like she dresses cool. She's a great talker. She's like, she's like the female Conor McGregor, just nowhere near as problematic in real life. It's really, you know, she's great. But um, yeah, it's just the whole, she's miscast. A lot of people miscast in this company, I'm noticing. But um, yeah, I, I like the match a lot. And, you know, it's, it's a good title picture at the moment, I think. All right, Scott, what are your thoughts on the main event and Dewdrop getting the shot at Becky Lynch at the Warrior Rumble? I thought the main event was really good. <clears throat> um, you know, the the 450 on top of Dewdrop on top of Liv was perfectly executed. I mean, she has to she has to rotate like an extra bit because she has to make sure she lands on top of Dewdrop so she doesn't have that extra little bit of uh, air to make up for. So that has to be a perfectly hit move and the timing of it was beautiful. Um, the three of them in the ring together, like there's Bianca Belair, I would guess would be the ring general of the three. And I thought the match was really good. So, I mean, kudos to them. I think Dewdrop has been really re- presented really well since she turned heel. I think her promos have been good. She's only really lost to Bianca Belair. So I can, I can live with that. Um, but she's been presented well. She's been presented as a powerhouse. Um, again, this is the way this feud is set up because Becky Lynch is the reason Dewdrop became number one contender because she obviously doesn't think that Dewdrop is in the same league as her. You would think this is setting up for Dewdrop to win the title. Bianca's beaten Dewdrop. She gets an immediate match. You have Bianca beat Dewdrop for the title at some point you get that's how you get Bianca Becky because I actually like CJ's idea of Rhea throwing out Bianca this year for the Rumble as a little callback because I I think the long-term story should be Rhea versus Bianca at WrestleMania in the following year um, for the title with these two Rumbles to build off of Go ahead. Just to cut in, sorry, that's like a WrestleMania 40 main event that you just said right there. That's what yes. I picture, but go ahead. No, no exactly. And I agree with you 100% because I think that's a good way to build it. You keep them apart, but they've interacted just enough to cause problems with each other. Um, so 
you would think the story is going to go like that, but Becky's not losing the title to anybody but Bianca. But I think that would be a good way to get you get Dewdrop a little bit of credibility. And I don't feel like this is like a Liv Morgan fluke win. You can actually have Dewdrop defend the title a little bit and look dominant beating people and not be an underdog babyface until you decide to have Bianca beat her and you can have you know Becky cost Bianca the rumble and and that could be why Rhea's out able to throw out or something like that and keep that story alive but I I think you go with Dewdrop man I I know it's not the the sexy pick but I you know I think you can create another star while still having Becky and Bianca keep their feud alive and Bianca can get a win over Dewdrop and then you could save the big win against Becky for WrestleMania. But more than likely, I think CJ, you're right. Bianca's probably due for back-to-back Rumble wins, which is definitely not the worst thing they could do either. Mm. No, I'm not. I'm yeah, off. It's... Yeah. Oh, no, you go ahead. I was just going to agree. Yeah, I was all for Dewdrop getting a push. You know, she's really good. I think that she had to endure Eva Marie for three to four months and she survived. I forgot. And now about she's that. thriving. Thank God yeah, you forgot. Same. Good for you, because I I remembered every freaking week it's Eva Marie and I'm the prettiest and I'm the best. And Dewdrop has to carry that dead weight. But now she's carrying herself in the best possible way. So I'm at least happy that WWE realized you got a powerhouse that's actually great on your hands that can work and will work safely. Am I throwing shade? Just maybe. But hey, Dewdrop's got it. I really believe that. And one other thing we should be thankful for, um, I don't really know how to say this in the most politically correct way or in the nicest way, but this could be Nia Jax in this spot. So thank God it's a do drop. Amen. And that was a shade I was throwing. <laughs> so for the record. We 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 could definitely <laughs> be having Nia Jax in this spot. So I am so happy that it's do drop. Or Tamina. You know what? Blessings. Oh. And I was shading Nia Counter directly. Blessings. Counter blessings. But thank I will you, say Bruce. this for Tamina. Thank you, Bruce. See, for one week, you're not going to be on site with CJ. Congratulations to you, sir. But I will give this to Tamina. She takes a great KOD, and I was surprised by that. So Tamina knows how to take a bump every now and then. I give her credit for that. But yeah, just think of the alternative. If Nia Jax was in his role, the match quality would take a nosedive fast. No offense to her. Her best matches were against Ronda Rousey three or so years ago. But as a consistent worker, no, no, no. I'm sorry. My apologies, my dear. I'm just saying, you know, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for what we have. You know, you you won't hear me. I won't be slandering Dewdrop because I know they can take her away real quick, and I know what, what comes after Dewdrop. So I'm I'm I am a okay with Dewdrop. You could call her Dewdrop too. I'm cool yes. with that as long as we keep her. Yes, keep her where she is. Keep that push maintained. We will live with Dewdrop as we live with quite possibly the second worst name, Braun Breaker, as we have learned to accept 2Ks and all. But before we jump to NXT, I do want to offer a special reminder that next week is that week. It is the Warrior Rumble week and the flashback, the throwback to the 2017 Warrior Rumble featuring future Hall of Famer Randy Orton winning the whole damn thing. And of course, the opener of AJ Styles versus John Cena for the WWE Championship. We will review this show on the Patreon. So for $5 a month, get that bonus show and every show that drops on a daily via the Fight Game Media Plus Network only on patreon.com slash Fight Game Media. And if you're listening 
listening to this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of your favorite podcast directories. Give us a five-star review, show us some love, and let's let us know that we're doing our job to get you what you need to get through every single show right here on Fight Game Media via the free feed. And with that, it's now time to talk about NXT 2.0, which went down on Tuesday And I got to talk about my guilty pleasure of 2022 thus far. Will it be my guilty pleasure this week? We'll see. But I got to talk about the debut of Wendy Chu on NXT. Wendy Chu, formerly known as Karen Q, formerly known as Mei Ying from Tian Shaw. And Wendy Chu, no matter the role (laughs) that she is given, she gives her all. She is committed. For weeks, she was sleeping at the, I want to say the student center, the student lounge of NXT 2.0 at the PC, just sleeping, just chilling. And I guarantee you in life, I know a Wendy Chu that did that when I was in college. She would pick a spot to sleep at every fucking day during lunch. That's a Wendy Chu. That's what they do. They will have their pillow. They will have their eye mask. They will go to sleep and they will live their best life. And I'm envious as how come I can't sleep during the day. And Wendy goes to sleep during her matches. She sleeps on the ropes, takes a quick cat nap, and then she gets the hot tag and she whoops ass delivering half and half suplexes, delivering Germans out of nowhere, delivering high knee lifts. Wendy Chu was the best thing on this show this past Tuesday. I loved it. It reminds me a bit of Orange Cassidy from AEW, the slothy character that can be lazy, but when it's time to be on, he's on. And Wendy Chu was absolutely on fire last week. And I love Triple H and I love the Triple H administration of NXT 1.0, but I will never understand why you had Wendy Chu, a.k.a. Karen Q, a.k.a. Tian Shan Mei Ying, sit in a chair and just sit there and posing, doing nothing. She had a couple of matches and she did little to nothing. She's got this move set and you don't showcase that. That was a misstep. But let's get into it, CJ. What are your thoughts on the debut of Wendy Chu on NXT 2.0? Um, so I'm just, I'm going to have to disagree. I just hate this show so much. <laughs> to, to quote, strong, to, strong hate. To use, okay, maybe not hate, but like sometimes when I watch this, to use WWE's own words, sometimes when I watch this show, it just feels like gory self-mutilation. Like I just, the, some of these gimmicks are just so out of pocket. Like the sleep, I, I mean, like it's they're trying different stuff. That's cool, but they they just don't really want people to get in there and wrestle, do they? Like they just, it's always got to be something, you know, like the sleeping. I mean, look, it's I can see people getting a kick out of it. Like I'm just a I'm a bit um, of a curmudgeon when it comes to this stuff, and I'm just not the right audience. But you know, I see Indian. Um, what's her name? Persia Parada. She's got a weird new ring name now. Like they're in there and they're working and then you've got the sleep thing. And then like, I don't know, it kind of just overshadows the actual work, but if she gets over, she gets over. That's good for her. I just, um, yeah, I, I didn't know she was, um, what's the Tian show. What was her name when she was doing that? Mei Yang. The, um, May, that's right. Mei. Yeah. Like I had no idea that was her. So that was, um, that was a big, realization for me this last week but she you're not wrong that she goes full tilt with the stuff she does and um it's just you know 
I would like to see her just wrestle, but that's just my um, taste as a bit of a snob. So I hate NXT. <laughs> Did I say that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you if you checked in with me during week three when B Fab and Alexa Lopez had that <laughs> street fight, I would have said I hate oh. this show with every fiber of my being. But I've grown to accept this show for what it is. I've grown to somewhat like it week to week and Wendy Chu is something that I actually like it's just something that makes me happy maybe once or twice during this two-hour show that can suck in a lot of ways when it comes to a lot of green people on this show who are not ready Von Wagner but that's besides the point so Scott what are your thoughts on the debut of Wendy Chu in the ring on NXT 2.0 I went into this just knowing I was going to hate it. <clears throat> I'm a, I really like Indy Hartwell. I, Indy Hartwell. I think she's got something. I think she's got a natural charm to her. People are naturally like just drawn to her. I think she's gotten better in the ring. She's got a real pretty springboard elbow drop. I really like Indy Hartwell. So I, I was just ready to hate this. I'm like, why are they just, why won't they let Indy just go and do her thing? Like I, I was kind of with CJ, like just let her go and do her thing. Cause she's good. But then she started, Wendy Chu started wrestling and she hit that first like stretch when they went for the clothesline and they missed. And it was just, it was all natural. It looked good. Then she threw these vicious kicks. Then she threw the overhead belly to belly and I was sold. I had to watch it again. I I loved it. I, I thought it was fantastic. And I now understand the people who love Orange Cassidy. I, I get why this like unnecessary gimmick works for them. It's just silly. But if you have, if the people can pull it off correctly, I think that's the key to it. Like the women that they were working with, they did a good job of selling her offense and selling her, her quote unquote sleep offense. I think it just all looked good. We'll see how, how, what kind of legs this has or if I like it next week, but for one week, I think she had outside of Braun Breaker, one of the best debuts of anybody on 2.0. Agreed. I greatly enjoyed it when she did the stretch, (laughs) when she avoided the clothesline. I was sold then. That was perfect. You have to time that just right. And it was done perfectly. I was really surprised by this match. It was pretty good for what it was. And I got my eyes out for Persia Parada. One day very soon, she is going to be a future powerhouse, maybe a pillar alongside the Rhea Ripley's and Bianca Belair's. I never forget the time that poor Jesse Jane knocked herself out of a match and Io Shirai and Persia Parada had to put together a singles match on the fly. And for Persia not to be lost at all and be able to do shit randomly against Io Shirai that really opened my eyes to say let her do her thing and in time she'll be ready to be a powerhouse and she's one of the few good actresses on the show that can sell a promo despite the shit of material so all in all this was one of the better segments on Tuesday's show I was happy with it Wendy Chu's great will this have longevity week to week I don't know yet but it was something different and she's committed and I respect somebody that is committed to the gimmick through and through from start to finish from a thousand year old lady to the sleeping giant at the end of the day and, and to CJ's point, like there's going to be a lot of people that this that are just going to hate this, and I, I completely understand because I I was going into it just ready to hate it, but I don't know why, but she just got me. I I don't know what it was, but she she, yeah. she got me. She sucked me in, and you know we'll see what happens next week because I don't want to see this every week. Like I don't need to see this for a couple weeks. You know I'd like to see Indy and maybe Parada um, Parada wrestle. 
but you know this for this week i i was in I, i'm into it let's see what if they can keep the string and go in a couple weeks but for now i'm good yeah there's definitely stuff that i'm guilty of like that's just dumb and like it just gets me for whatever reason but it's just yeah it's a matter of taste and like with, with persia parada i remember like literally last year this time last year i saw her at a local show and i wrote i think i wrote yeah i wrote it for fight game i was like in two years she's gonna be at the performance center and that was like february last year and she's already you know making moves now which is sick now nah, not, she's not saying it. i'm predicting the future or anything like that but you know. <laughs> hey hey you can you can and, go ahead and pull a champa and pat yourself on the back that's okay <laughs> you earned that not to not to jump ahead i said the same thing about um grace and waller but let's continue <laughs> <laughs> Providing the perfect segue to his boy, Grayson Waller, against AJ Styles this past Tuesday on NXT, the main event of Tuesday's show. And this was a very good main event. I thought this was Grayson Waller's best match, tonight, best match to date. And we can now say with absolute certainty, Grayson Waller is better than Omos. He passed that test because if he did not have a good match against AJ Styles, there might not be hope for you in this industry, but he somehow pulled it off. It was a great performance. Love the get out the ring, hit the clothesline and knock AJ out spot and the cutter in the ring for the close near fall. And he gets hit with the forearm to wrap up the match. And then after asking for it last week, after speculating, because I know what you two are about to do, go ahead, say it, just do it, do it. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I yep. knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. So LA Knight returns after a few weeks off after getting beat down courtesy of Grayson Waller in the parking lot of NXT, the most dangerous parking lot in WWE. He's he comes back and I have to say that this guy is really over as a babyface even though he struts and walks around like a cosplaying Stone Cold Steve Austin, but I digress on all of that. But Scott, what are your thoughts on the main event of NXT and Grayson Waller delivering when it counted most against a phenomenal AJ Styles? I think Grayson Waller just earned his main roster spot for the next 10 years. To be completely honest with you, I like I I am really high on Grayson Waller. I think what he's done since pretty much the Johnny Gargano um, you know, beatdown, well, I guess it was the LA, I guess that episode he beat down LA Knight too. Since he's done that, I think he's been money. Like I think he's been a really good heel and I know some people just aren't as big on him, but I I I think they they see him like they see the Miz like and and like you know regardless of how we feel about the like people feel about the Miz the company views the Miz in a high regard and I think that's going to be Grayson Waller he's he can play a good heel he can have good matches he's good looking he's young he's going to have some years on him he or at least I think he's young he's, he looks young um, so I I I'm really high on Grayson Waller I thought the match was really good. Small thing, I would have liked LA Knight to maybe cause a distraction to give Grayson Waller a little bit of an out. You know, maybe give him something to talk about next week when AJ's not there. You know, and then you can have a bit more of a reason to go after LA Knight because he ruined his moment. You know, he tried to ruin his likes and his follows and all that. You know, the he tried to create his his buzz. So I, I think I would have liked to see that. But I thought the match was really good. Keely brought up the uh, the spot where he does the dive into the ring, into the cutter or into the stunner. That was really perfectly timed i thought aj had his working boots on this is one of aj's better matches in a while to be honest with you um yeah i i, I can't say enough about grayson waller i i think he's got a great future and 
him, Carmelo, Braun, Breaker, this 2.0, I think is, I think it's working. I think they've got at least four or five people from 2.0 who will be on the main roster and can actually create and cause some damage for the next few years. I, I think it's working. Certain parts definitely working, others not so much. But Grayson Waller, unfortunately, will be the next Miz for the next 10 years. He is the successor of must-see TV on WWE, and that distresses me greatly. But I will say that Grayson Waller is a better worker than The Miz, and I'm very happy to say that. So, CJ, what are your thoughts on the main event from your boy, Grayson Waller, against the phenomenal AJ Styles, all bias included? Yeah, Grayson Waller, lad. Um, he's like, I, I love that he says lad on TV. That's like a very informal, colloquial, like Western Sydney Australian thing. So that's great. Um, yeah, this was a really good match. He had he was just all game face. Like I was really studying him because I've seen him wrestle. Like he wrestled TJP in Sydney like a couple of years ago, and that was pretty good. He's He's it's it's funny because he plays his character on um, NXT where he's like an influencer, I guess. But he's like an indie wrestler here, you know. Like he's kind of really got the same come up as some of the uh, people of the former NXT. But he's he was great here. He's doing well, like in WWE, and I really thought he would when he got signed because he's just one of those. Like he's just he is similar to the Miz, but he's just a lot better in the ring because he did come up through the independence, but yeah, like this match was great. AJ was great. Like this, I, I couldn't even imagine like this guy not even that long ago was just, you know, wrestling locally and, you know, really being fast tracked by wrestling AJ styles in NXT. Like they brought AJ down to NXT just for this guy. Really. Um, the crowd went nuts for AJ as well. Cause it's like the first time they've had a big star in ages on NXT. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. And I'm stoked that he's getting this push and I'm glad they like him because he's talented. He he played Ric Flair in Young Rock. Did you know that? Yes, I you did. Think? I didn't realize that yeah. was him until like, oh, he's not a good Ric Flair, but he tried. I didn't realize because I would never watch Young Rock, but I read about it. Um, yeah, so good for him. Good for Australia. Again, there's a lot more Australian wrestlers now than when I was a kid. So it's cool for young Australian people to see that when they watch WWE, but yeah, this is awesome. And I hope he can wrestle more like super famous wrestlers. Same here. I hope that this door for the main roster appearing in NXT is opened for a really long time. I know that the ratings boost wasn't there this week for AJ's appearance, but that is a way to really, how can I say this? It's kind of, it's a way to say NXT matters again, to say, hey, we are trying to invest in the future and we can't do it alone. Here's some seasoned vets to come down to NXT to really get the future over. And I'm all here for that. And that was the original philosophy of the reboot of NXT back in 2012 from Full Cell. When you had all the A-listers there really trying to get over this crew who is just starving for a moment, just fighting for the spotlight, fighting for a spot on the main roster. And I hope it gets back to that. There is a way to 
to make this show mean something once they cut down on the greenness of it all and these one-dimensional characters that can weigh down the quality of the show, which I'm getting to right now via Joe Gacy and Harlan. And I've given this a month. I always give things a grace period to be nice, to be kind, but I can no longer be kind because Joe Gacy initiated this this past Tuesday saying, we want to qualify for the Dusty Cup and we want to fight Idris Anofe and Malik Blade. And we want to be able to beat this team and advance to the Dusty Cup officially. And Harlan gets DQ'd for whooping too much ass. And Joe Gacy is fine with his smiling. He has no problem losing a shot at winning the Dusty Cup. And he just has a creepy smile. He's very one note with his performances. He's very good at what he does. But you're not being a proper cult leader i honestly don't know what you're trying to be and i think about harlan i think about the guy that was bragging about being the next brock lesnar on twitter a year or two ago had nice curly hair was a badass lives and thrives off of the hip-hop scene and you got this guy muted just sitting there standing there not emoting like a bootleg otis on nxt and i know this guy has got some charisma something and i don't understand why nxt must constantly downplay someone's charisma i do not get it i do not understand it i do not like this duo together and i don't like when you just smile away wins and losses it bothers me and this bothered me this week because you wanted this match and you fuck it up and now you don't care so why should i cj it's I. This is one of the parts of NXT that I hate. And again, like, down, like not caring about losing the Dusty Cup was so, so counterproductive. Like this Harlan dude. Like I don't mean to sound like crass, but he looks like such a. I don't even know what he looks like. He just gives me the ick so much. This appearance, like before when he had hair and looked like. 10 years younger i thought oh my god look at this dude um but yeah like i just i don't get this pairing at all i don't it's i just i look at it and i just zone out honestly and gacy i just don't care for at all as a wrestler i think he's kind of nothing but yeah the former parker bordeaux i just remembered is who we're talking about here but yeah it's it's this is what i don't like at all um, Joe Gacy looks like he auditioned for the role of the priest in Mayor of East Town, but didn't get it. Like, I just can't, <laughs> you know, and like Harlan looks like he just walked off the set of American history X or something, man. Like I just, he gives me the creeps. That was good. Two for two <laughs> I right hate there. <laughs> you Sorry. Those two. Like, I just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just can't like, I just don't like this. And like, yeah. I, it's such a weird pairing, but uh, and the, hot, the the disrespecting of the Dusty Cup. Good for the guys that won, and I forgot their names, which is horrible. But it's just the state of the show. Um, oh, I Scott, please take over. I can't with these two. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to be real with you. I don't have a lot to say because honestly, I don't care. I I don't care about Joe Gacy. They've made me not care about Harlan. I I don't care about Malik Blade or Baron Blade or whatever the creative wrestler character's name was that they took from <laughs> SmackDown vs. Raw 2021, the one that did the game wow. that didn't work. Um, so whatever his name is. So I, I just don't care. Why would I root for these guys when they got into the tournament? 
by getting beat down. And Keela, you said that Harlan was kicking ass. This dude won't kick in nothing. He was holding that man's face and just rubbing the side of his cheek for five seconds and got DQ'd for that. And while, while Joe Gacy is over there just enjoying it, like he's, I don't know, man. It's, the whole thing is weird. I would, we can't get Malcolm Bivens cutting a five-minute promo instead. I can't, oh, I can't uh-huh. get him and Trick Williams just going back and forth for five minutes. Just give me Trick Williams for five minutes. Like, <laughs> instead, you want to let me watch Harlan rub somebody's face for five minutes in the ring and then expect me to care about the creator wrestlers you got over there. I, I, and the worst part is they were pretty good. From, from what I saw, they had some good moves. They actually had some tag team moves, and they're probably a good tag team. But why would I care about them now? What shot do they have? And I know you got Brooks and Dunn in the in the tournament too, and I don't want to see them. So who in this like this whole thing is just making me mad? And you're right, CJ. This is the Dusty Cup. Come on, man. Let's 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 keep this nonsense. Put this on 205. This should have been on 205 Live. <laughs> Why would you put this on NXT, man? Like they're, they're they've they've ruined Harlan. He's he's he can never be what he should have been. I don't think. I I think. They've ruined him because I don't even really want to see him anymore. And six months ago, I was I couldn't wait to friend the Scott to debut. So I just don't care. I'm ready for them to be done. Is when's their six months rotation going to be done? <laughs> well, that was a burial of burials, and that's rare when it comes to NXT. Besides Von Wagner, and even he doesn't get it like this. But it's true, and. You know, I've tried with Kevin Owens like I really did for a good three months, but I've given up now. I don't like the character in Harlan. Maybe if he's able to be himself someday, it'll be better. But I was trying to be nice, saying he was kicking ass. I was trying to be polite, but he was really rubbing <laughs> the neck and the ropes and all that stuff for a good 30 seconds too long. And the referee says, that's enough for me. And another thing, how do you tease Idris, not Elbar, but Idris Anofe and Solo Sequoia as a tag team? And they actually would have been a good tag team in the Dusty Cup. But oh no, poor third Oos must be hit with a fireball thanks to Boa. <sighs> My patience is wearing thin with this tag team division and how they're cross-wiring things that are so simple on this show. But I digress. Boa, another <sighs> guy I don't care about. What's up with NXT Me and fireballs? <laughs> They the think second fireball. Too. Yeah, what's up with these fireballs? The second fireball. The third fireball in two years, because let's not forget Alexa Bliss threw a fireball at Randy Orton last year during a random episode That's of Monday right. Night Raw in post-production because you can do that in the Thunderdome. But yeah, just fireballs, y'all. They're making a comeback for some reason in WWE. I don't know who approved that. Most likely Bruce Pritchard and for that is back to being on site for you, fella. But I will let all of that go it's- now. <laughs> it, it's all fireballs and the show hasn't been on fire since 2019 so, ooh, yeah. ooh. was that when well, great balls of fire was because those are the last fireballs i think wwe has <laughs> truly had that show was so good it I was, was. The name. yes the name the phallic yeah. balls on fire that was a show that was actually good by today's standards but yeah nxt wasn't the best show this week but we always try to offer some highlights, but some lowlights were definitely apparent this week. But let's talk about a highlight, shall we? Let's talk about an alumni from NXT many years ago, Sami Zayn. And 
I want the world for Sami Zayn. I do. I want him to win the IC title from Shinsuke Nakamura very soon. I truly do. I want NXT Sami on SmackDown, but I have to give this man credit. This man understands every assignment he's given, whether it's dancing Sami Zayn, conspiracy theorist Sami Zayn. It could be moose hunting, bonding best friend to Brock Lesnar, Sami Zayn. It could be a... Maybe casual friendship with the Logan brothers that I don't care for very much. Or the Paul brothers, Logan and whatever his name is. I don't care for them, but he was friends. He tried to get them over ahead of WrestleMania and try to get the Paul brothers over as baby faces was a random choice. But Sammy tried and now ahead of the Warrior Rumble, he is trying to out jackass Johnny Knoxville. We had a segment on on SmackDown called Insane with Sammy Zayn. And WWE, I swear to God, this is what happened because I didn't pay attention at first. So I saw Sammy Singh's going to do something that's going to be crazy, never before seen on TV. And he comes out with the helmet. He's in a shopping cart. He's got two big dudes. Sammy's around some big dudes as his helpers on SmackDown as of late. Nurses, helpers, they're jacked and big according to Vince McMahon's edict. They must meet the standard of what a star is supposed to look like, even though you're an extra. And I was just looking at the ramp. I'm like, okay, he's going to fly over the ramp. And then they pan to he's going to fly over the ramp, over the ring. And to this mat on the floor by the announce table. And Pat McAfee's like, no way in the hell he's going to clear all of that. Was, that is so good. It was so that is the great. <laughs> it was so amazing because I thought the exact same thing. Like, no way in the hell he's doing all of this. And I love the full countdown of three, two, one. One, two, three. And Sammy realizes, I can't do this shit either. This isn't it. And he fakes out the crowd. They boo. And then Rick Boogs comes along. He shaves half his hair. And according to Pat, looks like a yoked Freddie Mercury. He does now. (laughs) He does. He does. I don't understand why he cut his hair, but he still looks fine. Shin comes in there, hits a Kinshasa on Sammy Zayn, who should have been protected because he had a helmet on. But I digress on that as well. And Rick Boogs grabs Sammy Zayn, press slams him over. Over the mat and that was the stunt for this particular segment but I should not have laughed at this as much as I did but it's attributed to Sami Zayn and Pat McAfee confirming ain't no way in hell he's flying that high over all of these things and Sami Zayn being committed to every single thing he's given in WWE he should be an elite performer on the show in the ring but as a character that's why Vince pays him the big bucks to do shit like this despite how crazy it is Scott yeah, I mean, can we can we just talk about the ultra babyface Sami Zayn getting jumped by the two heels Shinsuke Nakamura <laughs> and Rick Boogs? I mean, what <laughs> dastardly heels to to jump him like that, kick him in the head when he's down, and then throw him out onto that soft crash pad? Just dastardly heels right there. Um, yeah, I'm with you. Sami's great. I, I'm kind of over this. I, I'm. Let me rephrase that. I'm over Shinsuke Nakamura and the title, and I'm ready for those two to go after the tag titles. I, I think the IC title is just rotting away on his on his chest or on his stomach. I'm sure as soon as he takes the belt off, he's got green on there because he's just had it stuck to him for so long, and it hasn't come off because he hasn't defended the title since he won it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. They don't even mention that they have a match, and if they did, I completely missed it. So they don't even bring that part up. So there's no build to the match. So when it happens, nobody's going to care. Like, 
Sammy's great, but can we can we get something about the IC title? Can we just at least talk about the IC title when the champ comes out? Like I feel like Rick Boogs is the star of the of the team. Like I I feel like this whole thing is about getting Rick Boogs over. Maybe that is the point, but I, you know, th- this was fine. It was cool, but I'm ready for Sammy to win the belt, move on, and Rick and, and Shinsuke to go into the tag division. Um, I, I do like the the yoked Freddie Mercury line, though. I, I, I think he should really run with that, though. You know, we got Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury on the scene together. I think that's what they need to start running as. You know, that needs to be their, their go-to <laughs> tag lingo name. I'm waiting for Pat to call him that. The king of pop and, and king Mercury. And the King of Pop was on the show twice, which I'll get to shortly. But, you know, I hope, I hope very soon that whenever this match takes place, I think Shin has a broken hand, according to Rick Boogs. That's not, that's the reason why he hasn't been wrestling lately. But I want them to just teleport me back to take over Dallas 2016. I want that Shinsuke Nakamura and that Sami Zayn to remind everybody how great they are and how great of a match they can have with some stakes and to give people a reason to care about Sami Zayn besides the antics because he's great between the ropes. Just give fans a reason to care and we're good to go. What are your thoughts, CJ, on the stunt that wasn't courtesy of Sami Zayn that took me out once I saw the full visual of what he wasn't going to do. I thought Pat McAfee made it watchable for starters. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, we want to see babyface Sami Zayn. And like I said before, like they just don't want him to wrestle in there. You know, like Sammy, I don't know. Look, I, I get the Johnny Knoxville tie in and that's cool. I guess I was never a huge fan of Jackass personally. Um, and I think Johnny Knoxville is definitely going to eliminate Sami Zayn in the Royal Rumble, and I'll also be wagering currency on that. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. And Scott's right, like these heels beating up Sami Zayn. Like it's so, it's so everything is so backwards here. Uh, I like Rick Boo's haircut, though. I think that's actually a cool look. It looks like they're going for this, um, like, carnival sideshow strongman kind of thing. You know, when he does that pose where he broads out his lats and stuff like that, I think that's like a cool look. It's a weird mix, him and Nakamura, but I mean, it works for whatever reason. I don't know why, it just does. And yeah, would it be cool to see, um, you know, the Dallas 2016 Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura? Of course it would be, but it's just not going to be because it's a different vibe. And I don't think Nakamura is going to have his working shoes on like he did then and it's you know it's it's smackdown and yeah it's just not going to be the same but it's still going to be good like there's no way it could ever be bad unless they laid it out with some stupid stuff but yeah the stunt was just you know i don't really like this stuff but pat mcafee is a gem and makes it easier to sit through absolutely and Sami Zayn is one of the few people that can make it work is there any buzz for like, do people still care about Jackass? Like I, I remember I cared about it like 17 years ago. Like, you know, when I was like 15, 16, like, I mean, you know, but like, do people still care about Jackass? Like MTV, do people still watch MTV? Is that, 
I, no, if I, I wanted don't. to watch ridiculousness <laughs> over and over again, like <laughs> I'm just trying, like I'm trying to figure out, like you know, if like is the movie getting a lot of buzz? I know they're coming out with a movie, but like he's got like white hair now. Like this is like the third incarnation of Johnny Knoxville. It's not even the same guy. No, yeah. this is like, like Jackass with senior citizens now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jackass was popular during the Attitude Era, right? And it's kind of like the whole, like, they just can't move past that. Like, obviously, it was the biggest business time, like, best business for them, which is fair enough. But, like, they just, yeah, it's just kind of another thing where it's like, oh, it's just nostalgia. And I guess that's what Jackass, this new movie, is kind of capitalizing on. Like, that's why there's a Matrix movie that's come out and all that. But, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Like I've I've not heard of one person saying, "Oh fuck yeah, Jackass!" Sorry, I saw again. Um, <laughs> it's okay. The, it's allowed here. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say like, "Oh yeah, I'm so excited for Jackass." Like I have not heard a single person say that. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's probably like a decent money deal, and it's interesting because it's a I think it's just a Warner Brothers joint, um, as well. So. I mean, not that they wouldn't do it because it's WWE, but, you know, yeah. Who cares about Jackass? <laughs> Nick Khan cares because the check cleared for this cross promotion. So oh, yes. <laughs> he's been nailing these deals lately. I got to give him credit for that. But yeah, Jackass yeah. has a movie coming out and somehow it got distributed. Good for them. They'll, they'll make some money at the box office and I'm not mad at it. But yeah, it's been 20 plus years of Jackass and I did not know it was still a thing, but at least Sami Zayn is helping promote this movie via his antics on Friday nights. But we got to talk about the lack of depth on SmackDown, which is becoming more and more noticeable. We got Drew McIntyre out indefinitely with a neck injury. Sasha Banks is out for six to eight weeks with a knee sprain. We got King Xavier Woodsy out for about a month with a calf injury. So you have three major pieces who will not be a part of the Warrior Rumble in a couple of weeks time on Peacock. And I got to think to myself, uh, Roman Reigns can't carry the show alone. The Usos can't do it alone. Barack Lesnar can only make so many cameos. You've got to really build up the rest of this roster to make this show must-see because it will slip a bit in terms of importance every Friday night. So if we were competently booking this show, if we were a smarter, younger version of Vince and it was imperative to hit the emergency button and we're not going outside to sign somebody, I'm looking in-house. I'm looking extensively at my roster to see who we have on tap. Who can we push immediately for an IC title shot besides Sami Zayn? Who can we get in the tag team scene? Who can we get for any scene on SmackDown to make this show worth watching? Because you can't keep calling Seth Rollins to Monday, from, from Monday Night Raw to SmackDown either. So CJ, if you had your power as a booker in WWE, if you had the ability to hit the emergency button and push somebody on this roster, give them something to do ahead of the Warrior Rumble and WrestleMania season, who would it be and why? Uh, is this including Harland? Is he in the mix here or is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, he is not included. Okay, just making sure. Uh, no, the, my, like I put, I had eight names, but there's one that's just stands out from the rest and that's a Walter. Like bring him over and let's just start this thing already. He does not need to be in NXT, if that's what the vibe is. He was in that video in NXT. Like, this guy is, 
you you bring him up and you give him the right push, he's immediately in that mix. And um, you know, we, we've seen enough match of the year candidates to know that he can go. And you know, Walter versus Brock, Walter versus Roman, Walter versus Lashley, Walter versus B, like just anyone. And um, I don't know, they're they're really wasting time not bringing him in at least for a you know I don't know how into living in America he is, but just name the price. What are we doing, people? Let's do this. It's time. Activate Walter. <laughs> it must be respected. Activate Walter now. So Scott. He has entered the chat. He has entered the chat. Walter is here now and he, he chopped his way into the chat. So Scott, who do you think, if you had to hit the emergency button right now in-house in WWE, we did the what ifs last week from the outside, but if you got an eye on somebody that can be a star for you right now, that needs to push right now, who would it be? I, I actually think, I have somebody else, but I do think CJ's pick with Walter, I think that's just, it, or it should be the safest bet. I still get flashbacks to him on that Survivor Series team on NXT where he was in there for a minute and got eliminated by Drew McIntyre. But he should be a, he should be a sure bet. Now, CJ, let me ask you before I continue, would you bring Walter in as this dominant foreign, you know, the old school foreign heel guy or just, you know, a heel or would you bring him in as just a, a you know, a kick-ass babyface who just takes names and goes home? All right, I'm going to answer that, and I'm also going to add something on. And, like, I hope you're both sitting down. So I think looking at the landscape, like the top guys right now, you've got Brock, who is a baby face, Roman and Seth, who are feuding, which we'll get to. They're kind of both heels. Lashley is either. So I think... Because everyone's got... Okay, look. I would really, and I know that it would ruin some things, but if Walter managed by Malcolm Bivens, if they just like, it would ruin the diamond mine, but it's a net positive because I think Walter and Malcolm Bivens, the Twitter stuff is just out of control. And they could do a great segment where Bivens just manages to kind of like get Walter to agree. That's just a dream pairing of mine, but I think he'd also really work well as a baby face. Okay. Because like, but I don't, I think, I think him coming in as a heel with that, just that face of his, you know, like, because Lashley could be a baby face. Brock is a baby face. Seth could absolutely be a baby face if he wasn't insufferable. Um, and Drew is a baby. Yeah. I think heel, and I think with Malcolm Bivens because that would be money. I see. The only problem is I think he fit on Raw. I think Raw would be perfect. Him going, him and Heyman going oh, back yeah. and forth, and there's not many people who can actually physically impose their way on Brock Lesnar. Walter could do that, so I I would love that as a heel to come in and be yeah. one of Brock's opponents. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, Raw is the better fit, and he could like Walter and Big E as well. That would be lights out. That would be really good. Um, so back to my, my SmackDown pick. I I actually think they have a guy who, you know, who they wanted to push before as, a, as one of their baby faces. He got injured and we got Kofi Mania. And I think you to mm. really make somebody, it's mm. got to be somebody who hasn't been there yet, who hasn't been to that mountaintop or even had an opportunity. 
I think Mustafa Ali is the way to go. I think you could but I think you could put the rocket strap to him and people would get behind it. That's another thing you got to think of too when we talk about putting rockets on people and then really pushing people is you got to think who are the fans going to accept? You know, it, it's one thing for who do we want, you know, as far as the company goes. Who does the company want? Who do we want to push as a top guy? But who are the fans going to accept? You know, who are they going to get behind? Who are they going to rally behind? And especially with the dominant heel like Roman Reigns, the underdog Mustafa Ali, I think he would be the perfect guy to really build up right now. And you got guys like Sheamus, um, even even somebody like Cesaro, Sami Zayn. Like these are all people that he can work with, take a, a hell of a beating, and then make a great babyface comeback with, and really show that fire. So I, I think if you want to go on the SmackDown roster, I think Mustafa Ali is a a lead baby face waiting to be released. And he showed it when he had the opportunity because he was getting over. And I think he, who knows what would have happened, but I think Mustafa Ali's that guy. I love that pick. He was one of the guys I mentioned on Fighting Media a few weeks ago with Gigi, noting that he is a guy I would push to the moon. He's creative on promos. He's a DIY, do-it-yourself kind of guy to get himself over online. He's a great promo, a fantastic worker. He's got the charisma. He's got what you need to be a threat to Roman Reigns or Sami Zayn, whoever's going to be the IC champion. He could be a player in that division no matter what and I think about Ricochet as well but I know it's going to be a promo issue with him but every time he's in the ring every time he's in the ring without trying to break somebody's nose accidentally he tends to over exceed every expectation by the fans who want to wrap their arms around him they want to love him but the push is simply not there on a regular basis you think about what he did last year at Money in the Bank and there is no follow-through outside of a maybe a match on main event that nobody watches on Peacock. But I just wish more for him in terms of getting over in a more meaningful way. But that does come down to being able to cut promos. And that has been a weak spot for him on the main roster thus far. But I love the Ali pick. He's fantastic. But for some reason, WWE refuses to push him in a big way. Or at least as a baby face. I mean, they, yeah. they, they try to push him as a miscall. Yeah, like, what is going Like, I think that has been, I mean, probably for the last three years has been WWE's problem is they just, they have so many people miscast or their stories they're telling are just backwards. Like we, we've talked about it on, I mean, on this show at least four or five times about either somebody being miscast or a story just being told backwards. I mean, you, if you fix that, that's, think about how many issues that takes care of, how many crowd reactions that takes care of. It's, it's easy things they could be doing that, that they're, they're just not, and it doesn't make any sense to me. Yes, the ball has been dropped many times regarding storylines and characters not supposed to be baby faces in their heels for whatever reason. And they wonder why the crowd is dry because you don't give people a reason to care. We care because we talk about it. We watch the shows and we invest. But if you're paying a ticket, as I mentioned earlier, it's like, why do I care about these people when you don't from a booking standpoint? And that's apparent every single week on WWE TV. There's good and bad things, but wins and losses, they've got to matter for something. 
And when you have people cast as a heel when they should be a baby face, that waters that waters down your baby faces at the exact same time, which leads us to the main event of SmackDown this past Friday, featuring the tribal chief, the head of the table, the reigning defending universal champion Roman Reigns, and cosplaying as Motown 25, moonwalking Michael Jackson, Seth Rollins. We had the glittery jacket. We had the striped pants. He was wearing something like, okay, this is very outlandish. Roman's going to crack on this guy. He did call him a clown. I thought he went a little bit too light, but I digress. But they had a great back and forth conversation about their history in The Shield almost 10 years ago. For some reason, WWE jumps ahead about eight months saying it happened 10 years ago, technically nine and maybe a quarter years ago. But they did debut around 10 years ago this year at Survivor Series wearing those turtlenecks. How can we possibly forget? Thankfully, that was a one week thing. But I love the acknowledgement of Dean Ambrose, a.k.a. John Moxley in AEW. They do not blur him from the footage. He was front and center for all of the Shield's highs and low moments, including the turn in 2014. When Seth did not sell out, he bought in with Triple H. And Seth reminded Roman Reigns, I created you. Every match you've had, head up. I've beat you every single time. When I was climbing up the ranks on the indie scene and, and, and ultimately in WWE, you were riding the bench in the CFL with Without me, there would be no bloodline. Without me, there would be no championship ring. Without me, you would be nothing. And I can destroy what I created. And Roman says, that's not the Roman you used to know. I'm God tier now. I'm on the God mode level of being great. And you can't touch me. And besides, you're not my first pick for Monday Night Raw for this championship match. Hell, you're not the first pick in your own household. If I wanted a megastar to face off against me at the Warrior Rumble for this championship, I would pick your wife. And the fans who went on at that, Seth kind of loses it. And then the bloodline, the Usos jump in and Seth runs away as SmackDown goes off the air. I thought it was a very lukewarm anticlimactic finish but as we talked about last week Scott we really dug into the promo aspect of what Seth needed to do in order to get some heat on Roman Reigns but both guys at this point despite the crowd reactions I think the fans love Roman a bit more than Seth but I thought the promo exchange was pretty even I like that Seth talked up the history between the two he's got a winning record undefeated against Reigns heads up in championship matches that means something but Roman mentioned that was a different Roman five or six years ago this is god mode roman you can't touch me and the outcome will be different come the warrior rumble yeah the the god mode uh line that that's what was sold me yeah. I, I love i love that line i i thought because i i mean he is on a completely different level than he was you know what was that five six years ago whenever they faced off i you know that's i think that's a perfect line for him and his character what again what exactly are we doing? We're not even casting people now. Like we're not even trying to make a baby face now. Why wouldn't you have Seth Rollins beat down the bloodline and just have him make a big baby face comeback? And, you know, the whole thing with Seth and his promo where he's saying he, you know, he carried Roman, you know, he created Roman and all this. To me, that didn't help his promo because now all you're saying is that, well, if you carried him and he's been able to do all this since then, he has clearly surpassed you in every aspect of the game. (laughs) You know, when you say you created somebody and they've literally done everything you've done and some, you're really not helping your argument. Now, I say all that 
having them face to face like that, this feels like a WrestleMania match. This feels bigger than the Royal Rumble. This feels like it deserves a longer build than two weeks. Um, we didn't get that. I don't think we got that fiery promo. We were talking about Keela from Seth Rollins, where he really needed to lay out his intentions. Um, and and I think he kind of needs to lose the, the laughing gimmick a little bit. He's got to go back. This match needs Seth freaking Rollins. It doesn't need this Rollins, not this match. Like I, I like the Rollins we have now. I think the crowd likes it too, but this match needs burn it down. Seth freaking Rollins, the one that beat Brock Lesnar, not once, but twice, clean for the title, WrestleMania and SummerSlam. That's who we need right here. And I, I, I don't know if they have plans for Seth Rollins after this feud, and that's why they don't want to turn him babyface. But I mean, Keela, you've been talking about it for you know for a while, at least since we've been doing the show, and I'm I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of it too. People are ready for Seth Rollins to go back babyface. They're ready to get behind this guy as a lead babyface. Um, I'm not saying you knock Big E out of that lead spot, but or out of that second spot. Brock's the lead babyface on Raw, but. Um, actually, that brings, what is Seth Rollins? What is he? Is he Raw or SmackDown? Like, what are we doing with Seth Rollins? Like, how does he just get? He's Raw. Is he Raw? So he just gets to show up on SmackDown. Yeah, they just brought him over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so like, that would solve a problem on SmackDown if you just turn him babyface and move him to SmackDown. That would solve an issue you brought up earlier, Keela, that who's the lead babyface, but. You know, that's that's too easy for them to do. Instead, let's just bring somebody over from Raw instead of building up another challenger. I don't know, man. I I was actually really excited until I talked myself out of it. So I'm going to stop talking before I don't even want to watch the match anymore. That tends to happen a lot when you really think about stuff. And it's like, wow, it sounds good. But then you really think about what they don't do right. And it just makes you care a little less. And that's how I feel about Seth. I want Seth that won the Warrior Rumble three years ago the guy that was emotional the next night that got me emotional because he cared I want that Rollins that was a baby face before he, he opened his mouth in the media a bit and kind of put his foot in his mouth and then he got it and he won the fans back in Toronto against Brock Lesnar when you're talented you could do anything in terms of getting your baby face heat back but then he gets smashed by the fiend and he hasn't been the same since we went through the messiah now we're with the drip wearing Seth Rollins who must laugh maniacally because he wants to be a fake ass joker for a DC comic movie trying to replace Joaquin Phoenix it's a nice idea in theory but no just no and he is much better as a babyface. but of course in WWE these roles fluctuate week to week and you don't know who to cheer but the fans clearly love Roman Reigns they put up the ones every single week it's undeniable so CJ what do you think about this it was a nice closer but it wasn't the hard sell that Seth needed to send to Roman to say, I'm that guy that can take you down for your championship, despite the record saying that I should, but things have changed over the last year or so. Yeah, like you both said, if this was that 2019 Rumble Seth Rollins, I would be so, this would be my favorite thing in wrestling right now because that guy was the best baby face Um you know, I can't think of a better one since that was just like so super like hot over. I don't feel like anyone is anymore except for Roman, but he's a heel. Um, and very seldom do they do baby faces right. And they eventually ruined Seth with The Fiend. Um, yeah, like I, I do like the feud. It does feel like a big deal. I think this would have been a great opportunity for Roland to just kind of be serious and fired up. Um, 
I saw a clip going around of Roman when he said he was in God mode. It sounded like he said a certain word after mm-hmm. it, but kind of stopped himself. And like Seth kind of had this face, and I was like, "Oh, I did that?" <laughs> but you know, that's not really for me to comment on. Um, that's just something I saw. <laughs> um, hey, hey, it's it's all was, good. You ain't the only one that peeped that. There's a lot of people that peeped that. Yeah. They they caught the audio. I did too. Like, did he really say that? And Seth, like, he maybe did say that, but we're going to let it slide. He thought he was talking with his boy in the back. He got real comfortable right there. <laughs> real, yes, on camera with a live mic. Had a Booker T-esque moment by accident. Yeah, I was just going to say, if anyone doesn't know, just with, you know, Booker T would have watched it and be like, oh, no. <laughs> um, but there was, I, was, <laughs> I was surprised how much Ambrose they actually showed in the clips. I thought that was good. Um, and there was this great moment, like Pat McAfee again, like Bro- Roman was talking and he kind of like laughed at himself. And then Pat just laughed with him. Mm-hmm. It was so like, it was so good. You have to go back and watch like, he was just kind of laughing at something about Seth. And then Pat's like, oh, yeah, like that. Just on commentary. And it was so funny. I had to rewatch it so many times. Like he's like Roman's flunky or something. But, you know, yeah, it's just this. Is, I'm definitely looking forward to the match itself. I just wish, you know, it was that badass Seth Rollins who beat Brock. Because that felt like a huge deal when that happened. Um, and then the Messiah... You know, back when he was paired up with uh, Buddy Murphy and the Authors of Pain, and uh, who else was in that? I think I'm missing someone, but regardless, they're all gone now as well. Um, yeah, also theory, I, wasn't it? I like it. Yeah, yeah, for like right. a week or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, and then yeah, it's just it's just a shame it's not like. You know, that 2019 Bret Hart, uh, Bret Hart, I just jumped my um my comparison. The 2019 Seth Rollins, are like, this could be like the modern day 94 Bret Hart, you know, if they play it right. And he kind of was, but then they just ruined it like they do. But this, I'm still into this feud. And I think that, um you know, obviously the movies bring John Moxley and a special guest referee for the Royal Rumble. Am I right? Hey, you know what, Ooh. man? That would... <laughs> Hey, you want to talk about setting the internet on fire? If if for some reason Moxley just came out and DDT'd both of them in the main event, now you want to talk about a kicking down a forbidden door? That's kicking down the door. No, you, this is no, this is what they should do. Ready? This is this is really good. So you get someone in a hoodie and a, like a COVID mask and do like the walk, like that. You know that walk that Moxley does, where he's I'm doing it now, but you can't see swaying the shoulders and stuff. You do that. You know, and you do the dirty deeds, and then they take the hood and mask off, and it's Happy Corbin. That oh, no. would set the internet on fire. <laughs> oh, wow! Could you imagine the ultimate troll <laughs> job? Here, let me let me go ahead and piss oh. Keela off. It should be the Miz. See, <laughs> see, see, see. This is unnecessary now. Now that was unnecessary saying the Miz should do this, even though let's now I will say one of the Miz's finest moments was when he fooled everybody into thinking he was the rock that night that was great. on Monday Night Raw. That was great. He had to walk like, down the, the music, the walk, <laughs> the shades, the, the bald cap. And then they squinted like to say the rock S- S- fucking Miz. 
<laughs> that this was bullshit. Great. That was that really was a great troll. Spend <laughs> enough time in the Iron Paradise or Iron Palace, whatever the Rock calls the gym. Yeah, that was great. Yes, that was but a great. Sucks. Yes, he does. <laughs> but that was a great raw moment for the troll job alone. As CJ joins me in the Miz hate, and this is the perfect segue to wrap up this show via our guilty pleasure and the avoid at all costs pick of the week. The things we love and don't love in WWE this week, and apparently we don't love heels who are supposed to be baby faces and vice versa. That's the lesson this week's this week, ladies and gentlemen. We want our faces and heels to align properly maybe someday but cj what is your guilty pleasure and the one thing that people should avoid at all costs from wwe this week my guilty pleasure is grayson waller uh for obvious reasons but the calling people lad like growing up where i grew up this was like a just a thing that people call each other and where i went to school and it's very like very like derelict, like just kind of it's it's hard it's hard to put into words like without really just giving you a history lesson on like shitty areas in Sydney, but it's just it brings me joy when he just says, Do you want me to pay my dues lad to AJ Styles? And it's just hilarious. And I, yeah, he's just been really good and the gimmick is I, I like I don't like it, but I get a kick out of it because he does it well, if that makes sense. Um, and my avoid at all costs is Alexa Bliss's um, whatever the hell <laughs> happened. Like, uh, they again, they just she couldn't just come back and wrestle, and we just forget that she was, you know, um, a little girl, which is just so weird. And it's just I don't know. With, with the wrestling audience, that's just a problematic gimmick to have. I hated the fact that she came back still the same character. Thankfully, without Lily, yeah. but still, like, this is the best we can do, WWE. We could have kept her off television a few more months. But, Scott, what are your guilty pleasures in the one thing, or guilty pleasures, I should say, in the one thing we should avoid at all costs this week? Um, so I, you know, I talked about the, 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 uh, the soap opera, the, uh, the Rivervale episode of Rhea Ripley and Nikki, <laughs> Nikki Ash. But I also would like to, I, I do need to throw in a second because, um, we're getting real close to black history month and the continuance of Sonia Deville and her, uh, <laughs> her, 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 her agenda against Naomi. Um, you know, they don't have to admit what it is. We all see what it is. And obviously we're building towards a match at Black History Month where Naomi's gonna get her 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 revenge. So um we can skip everything in January regarding those two and let's just see what happens come February first and um you know we'll, we'll we'll take it from there. So definitely skip Sonia Deville and Naomi last week. You can skip them next week and you can skip them the following week until we get to February and then we'll come back and we'll we'll reconvene and see where we're at. Um, my guilty pleasure now, I, I have to give credit to uh, Jeremy in our uh, Fight Game Media group. He posted uh, a link about Walter's last match against Nathan Frazier. And I went out of my way and watched that match, and it was fantastic. Walter looked great. And, you know, we were talking about earlier, and I, I kind of forgot about this guy, and I'm me thinking about this match. I mean, Nathan Frazier is going to be a great baby face, and they really better 
keep him because if he goes somewhere, he he's a top tier babyface. He's got great fire. You could see it in his in his eyes, the way he was wrestling. There was a sense of urgency. Like this is the biggest match in my life. I get to face Walter. This is the last time I could face him. I can beat Walter. Like every move meant something. When he hit a big move, he went right for a pin. There was no wasted motion. Walter was just chopping the hell out of this guy. But Nathan Frazier kept fighting back. He started chopping the you know, chopping the tree down. Just a great final match and a really good episode of NXT UK. So not only did you know Walter have a great match, but I'm a fan now of Nathan Frazier out of that match. So I I mean kudos all around in that match go out of your way to watch that match and i think john LaRock is going to do um a breakdown of that match you can check that out on the patreon five dollars a month um so there's a little plug for that that's so I, just a great match definitely check that out absolutely if I can quickly interrupt mm-hmm. i have a question for you both before just sorry to interrupt so would you rather take a chop from walter as hard as he can go or watch a 15 minute von wagner promo <laughs> All right, let me ask. Let me ask you a question in response. Where is he chopping me? Is this a is this a chest? Am I getting it in my neck? In my back? Because he he chops it's everywhere, a, like upper chest, like right below the collarbones, and like he's he's winding up. I dare say even a run up. <laughs> okay, that makes a big difference because if he's getting a wind up and he's getting a couple steps, that's going to add a lot of momentum, and that's going to break a couple ribs, or that's going to cave my. Oh, man. 15 minutes is a long time. What is Vaughn talking about? <laughs> 15 minutes is a long time. He's talking about cryptocurrency. Oh, man. A 15-minute crypto Von Wagner. <laughs> man, I, I might have to take the chop. I'm, I just might have to. I got to call out of work for like three days, but I just might have to take the chop. I can't. I don't think I can listen to Von Wagner give me talk to me for fifteen minutes. So if I had to choose, it's a very simple decision on the condition that as soon as Walter chops me, I will go to dinner with Marcel Bartel. That must be the agreement to really <laughs> soothe the pain from that. Because if I had to sit through a Von Wagner promo for fifteen minutes, I would shoot my television. So a very easy pick for me. Very simple pick. The chop from water followed by dinner with Marcel Bartel. What about you, And he CJ? can speak the entire time in Italian. Um, you know, I, I maybe I wouldn't mind the chest tattoo that would be his handprint. So I guess I'd take the... <laughs> well, at least Keela's getting a date out of it. Like, we didn't we even smart enough to get anything out of it. We didn't even <laughs> ask for anything back. At least she was smart enough to get a date out of it. Yes. That is my one condition. Marcel must wine and dine me somewhere like in Disney World, like Disney After Dark, somewhere that the one of those restaurants you need like the gift card to get through the year pass. So something like that. Good the dinner choices. The yeah. club, the club Disney, that we can do that to really keep the synergy with Orlando and NXT, you know, stay in the bubble, so to speak. But as for my guilty pleasure this week, for the second week in a row, I got to give it to my sister. My sister, Maurice, for having the courage to walk away from her husband once again, because all she wants to do is to spend 
one night a week away from her children. Let Marjo take care of the girls. Let Barb do her thing. Let George do his thing at the crib. Let them live their life at Shamar Miz. But here Miz is saying, my wife is going to beat your ass, Beth Phoenix, at the Royal Rumble. Marie says, what? Excuse me? Talking that shit? Let me go. She literally turned around and walked away. And Miz was talking to air. And for that, Maurice, bless you. Thank you for embarrassing this man back to back weeks, my sister. Thank you. Bless you. I appreciate it. I'm not here or happy with the uh, with the Miz slander that's going on here. Um, you know, I, I think Miz is a, a stand up guy. Top tier. <laughs> top tier of shit go ahead. <laughs> oh my goodness we've had too much Miz love on this show is it a counteract that via that because Maurice really plays the jilted wife to perfection who knows her husband ain't shit but my avoid at all costs pick of the week my lord let's go back to smackdown shall we let's go to wwe hall of famer lita and charlotte flair now i'm going to describe this outfit the best way i can it's as if seven of nine from star trek voyager became a figure skater and she put on that outfit as charlotte flair and because she put on that outfit as charlotte flair and wore heels and a goddamn championship belt how can you take a twist of fate she took the worst bump ever for lita and i was embarrassed for lita like this disrespect charlotte listen put some flats on wear a more comfortable outfit don't wear the belt to the ring wear it over your shoulder have michael cole hold the belt do something besides just trying to look your very best and i'm not mad at that but this was not the time to flex it was time to take a bump and you failed looking like a winter olympics reject with all due respect to you who could not make team usa <laughs> Man, y'all talking about me bashing people. I was, whew, you put her under the bus right there and backed up. I had no choice. You don't Dang. do that. You don't do that. You don't take the twist of fate and heels. What's wrong with you? Oh, looking like a fake skater at that. Oh, my goodness. But on that note of shade thrown for days, this wraps up a very entertaining edition of The Wrap. A little less newsworthy this week, thankfully, but still fun nonetheless, as CJ and Scott always provide the laughs and the content for your listening pleasure. So once again, guys, thank you for being on the show per the usual as the road to the Warrior Rumble continues. Yeah, I'm not going to leave you hanging this week. I know my cue this time. Last week, you know, I was about 45 seconds of silence. It, actually, last week, the amount of silence was the same amount of time it took for Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash to actually get to the point of their promo. So I am so sorry for making you sit through that, Keela. So it won't happen again. I was ready this week. Thank you for having me on. CJ, it's low-key, this is some of the funnest times of the week for me. Low-key, though. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Did you did you say you avoided all costs, Scott? Did I miss that? Oh, oh no, I did. It was uh, anything involving Naomi and Sonya Deville for the month of January oh, until right. Black History Sorry. Month. <laughs> okay, okay, I didn't mean to bring that up. Okay, because <laughs> okay. I, I, yeah, I thought we when I missed it. Okay, yeah, thank you. This is always fun. I love coming on this show. It's the best. It's great. Oh, and um, if I can quickly shamelessly plug my own podcast, One Hour Broadway, um. 
a new episode of that's going up tonight as well. So listen to that. And if you like it, subscribe. If you don't like it, still subscribe and just don't listen to it. Thank you. (laughs) That is a great plug. Support. But if you don't support, support nonetheless. That is the best hard sell you can give for your show. It's a great podcast. By the way, I was on the show a few months ago celebrating a milestone with CJ. He's a great host, a great guest co-host on this show every single time as we honestly throw the best low-key shade on this show every time we're together from one time zone to another. It never misses. Low-key though. I hate you, Holland. Low key though. Yeah, low key though. Nothing, nothing major. Just, just low key type stuff. Low key shade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, that right, CJ. We fucking hear you over there. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh very very low key. Oh man. We've broken CJ several times on this show because that's what we do here every time we jump time zones together from Australia to the USA. But on that note, we hope you guys have a fantastic week. We'll be back next week with a brand new wrap of the Go Home Show for the Warrior Rumble, if you can believe it or not, because after that, it's the bonus show and the actual Rumble 2022, a long-ass show. Scott and I compiling notes of 60 fucking people for probably the longest show of this year. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, dear listeners, we will confuse people and misplace the time they were eliminated. I did it last year. It will happen again because we'll be tired, but we'll do it for you because we love you, the listener out there.